Well, good morning. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 8, or, you, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, man, uh, pastor is going to mention money, he automatically goes to Malachi. But we're actually not going to Malachi today. So for those of you who have been in church in a while, you'll understand that. I'm really enthusiastic about what I'm going to share with you today. Because I, I believe this, that God's going to reset some resources in your life. And that's the title of today's message. Reset your resources. When I talk about resources, we're going to talk about uh, finances, cash, but also your assets, your talents, your um, connections, your work history, your education, whatever God has given you. He's given you resources and After today's teaching, you're going to have a chance to reset those and focus that on what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, I know this, that whenever money is mentioned in church, people don't like to hear about it. And probably it's because pastors have manipulated financial teaching to try to get money out of people. My heart today is for this to be about you, not about the the institution here or the church. So I want you to identify that which God has given you and reset that so that he can be glorified. And it's about your life and your life um, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Have you ever had that feeling when a check has come from the restaurant and you look at the check and it's way more than you expected to pay? And on the outside, you're playing it cool, like, oh, yeah. But on the inside, you're going, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize it would be this much. I I think that's a metaphor how a lot of us feel about our resources, about our financial place. We're playing it cool on the outside, like, yeah, everything's good, everything's okay. But on the inside, there's, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern. Early on in my career, I was hosting a business lunch and... Uh, all the people who were sitting around the table started, you know, ordering appetizers and ordering at will. And I didn't want to be that guy who said, hey, only order on page three. Don't go to page four. And I'm seeing this happen. And I remember the bill coming to me and all, I was in shock. And I thought, wow, I have to report this to my supervisor. So I got the, the business card and I gave it to the waitress and she kind of whispered to me, We don't take American Express. And something inside my body changed, man. I mean, I felt something inside of me change. So I played it cool, and I started thinking, how much do I have in my checking account? And I got this other credit card for an emergency, but I'm not supposed to use it. And how much credit line? Ended up I had to kind of have someone help me there. Uh, And that was kind of embarrassing. Not a big deal now. As I tell you the story now, it's not really a big deal. But at the moment, oh, man, it it was a really bad feeling. I felt bad. So I made a decision that I'm going to not let that happen again. So if ever I've been in charge of a business launch and all that, I always made sure they either either took that card or they, or I had enough money to cover it if I needed to be reimbursed or open to the Lord if he wanted me to be generous and pay for it myself, all of that. I just decided from that point forward, I'm going to think ahead and make sure that doesn't happen again. And that's what I want you to think about today. We're going to reset today. I'm not here to beat you up. And I'm not here to make you feel bad about financial mistakes you've made. Because every 
person has made financial mistakes. Every single person. What I am calling us to do is to reset towards God's perspective, and we're going to move forward in him. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is such an important scripture, such a powerful scripture that connects the work of God to financial resources. It connects what Jesus does for us in the gospel to how he's providing for us in the natural. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 11. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Be careful that you don't forget Yahweh, your God, by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statues that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in, and your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold multiply, and everything else you have increases. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud, and you forget the Lord, or forget Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and test you, so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember, That the Lord, Yahweh, your God, gives you the power to gain wealth. Now look at this. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your end. Thanks be to God. So we know this is that we're called every week and every day even on our best days to reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus did for us what we can't do for ourselves. I mean, there was no way we could pay the price for sin. So Jesus became sin for us because he was the perfect lamb of God. And as he sacrificially gave his life on the cross, on the third day, he rose again to prove he was God with power over death, over Hades, over the grave. This is the story we'll talk about every Sunday. We'll sing about every Sunday. This is a story that we'll remember as we come and have communion We keep talking about the gospel because it's essential to everything we do in life. And here's the thing. As long as you live for the Lord, you'll be thinking about the gospel the rest of your life and how Jesus, how Jesus made a difference for you. That's part of the covenant we have. The covenant that God has made provision for our sins. He has provided a covering. God has provided for us forgiveness, which we couldn't purchase on our own. It was purchased through the sacrifice, the shed blood of Jesus. Now, what many of you haven't done yet, and I hope we reset this today, is you've not connected the gospel story with your personal finances. And and you've, you've not seen the connection. God's people have always been blessed by the Lord in every social situation, in every part of this globe, there is a element of provision that God always provides for his people. It's interesting that you and I might say, well, what about people who are following the Lord in what we, now, what we call the third world or the undeveloped part of the world? 
we are very arrogant not to think that some of those people or those people aren't prosperous in the Lord because we don't understand their situation. We don't understand their context. I would say to you, I want to suggest to you, according to scripture, is that we're always walking with the Lord, putting the gospel as the preeminent uh, story and the love of our hearts. And then God provides for us financially to remind us of what he's provided for us spiritually. So your provision is connected with the gospel story. So you've all been through a scenario somewhat like this. You've taken a young elementary kid, maybe a toddler, to, to get something to eat. Let's say it's McDonald's because kids like Happy Meals, right? And you drove them there. You paid for the gas. You picked the table. You're in line. You get them a Happy Meal. And then if you're a dad, dads always do this. It's like a calling we have on our lives is we steal the fry from the kids. That's just what we do, okay? It's like, it's like sampling the wine cup for the king. We want to make sure the children are not poisoned. So we grab that fry. It's usually the longest, crispiest fry. And, and get ready to pop that thing in our mouth. And this happened with, you know, it's happened with nieces, nephews, my kids, you know, church family, friends. You, you grab that fry. And man, those precious little cute kids, like an evil look comes over their face and they shoot a dagger at you. And what do they do? They, they say, it's mine. Now, wait a second. I brought you here. I paid for this. I picked out the seat. It was my money. It was my choice. But the child is saying it's mine. Yes. That's how we are with the Lord. Sometimes with finances We're we're like, it's mine. And we're in this civic arrangement where, where, Ownership is always claimed. So we own homes, we own vehicles, we own different, different, and even our intellectual properties, we own those, our thoughts, we own those thoughts and monetize those. And so we're always like, this is mine, this is mine. And we're taught to look out for what's ours. And in the business world, there is, you have to do that to, you have to do that to an appropriate degree because the way we're organized. But I'm here to remind you of this first point today. And here's number one. Acknowledge your resources belong to God. That's how we're going to reset our resources. Acknowledge everything you have belongs to God. All of the French fries are his. The Happy Meal is his. And everything you have, every asset you have, your home, your your cash, your education, your ability to get a job, that ability some of you have to meet strangers at a coffee shop and sell them things. Guys, that is a gift from God. I mean, I, that is, I mean, I know like people are so afraid of doing that. And some of you, you do that as easily as you breathe. We've got professional musicians that attend our church that are in the studio or they're at venues and you're, you're using a gift. And yes, I know you've practiced and I know that that you're diligent, but your instrument and your hands and your voice, they are the Lord's. Everything's the Lord's. We're reminded of this important song, Psalm 24, 1. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belongs to the Lord, belongs to Yahweh. Everything belongs to the Lord. And we keep reminding ourselves of that 
through spiritual practices. So being at church today, hey, you're being reminded directly by me through this. We're reminded at the table of the Lord. We're reminded in our devotional time. We keep giving everything to the Lord, even, even for those of us who are parents, our children, we give them to the Lord. We give our grandchildrens to the Lord. We give our singleness to the Lord, knowing, Lord, if we're waiting for a spouse or believe God's called us to be married, we're, we're, we know that the Lord is working in this season of singleness. He is at work. Every single thing we have belongs to him. So I want us to reread Deuteronomy 8, just 17 and 18 at this point. Because here's a, a comment. This was written several thousand years ago, but it sounded like it was written today. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord, your God, gives you the power to gain wealth. Remember this. This is the word of the Lord. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Listen, when, when I see the tithe that I give to the Lord, to this church, and when I see other ministries that I support, I want to see this as a sign of the covenant that God has initiated with me. He's covered my sins. He's made provision for my sins. He's made provision for my, my weakness. And one of the ways is through, is through my finances. That I'm not disconnecting my relationship with God with my finances. And it's not about giving just to ministries and churches. It's about having a generous heart. Generous heart to buy someone's meal, buy someone's coffee, to reach out to a neighbor kid and maybe help a neighbor kid in the way you're helping your own kid. These are things that the Lord, the Lord wants you to consider. And it's the sign of his covenant on you. He gives you the power to, to have wealth and have resources. Now, I had I have three young adult children and they all get cars like really, really fast. 19 months apart, 23 months apart. So I've mentioned this a few times that I have all of these older cars that I have. I'm grateful for them. But you know, older cars break down, right? Cars just break down. That's what they do. So we have five cars in our family and, um, and as, you know, really four now that Abby is on her own. But then my mom has a car and I try to I work with Scott. We try to change the oil, rotate the tires, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just like a part-time job, right, doing all these things. A few years ago, you know, things were kind of tight for us, not because of the church. The church has always taken really good care of us, but it's just they're a little tight for us because of choices we made. And I remember leaving the house, and it was a time in my life that I just didn't need another car breakdown. I just didn't need to another mechanic bill. So as I would walk by the cars, I'd just lay my hands on them and say, Lord, anoint these cars, extend their life, God, help them not to break down. Man, I'm getting agreement here. We, this has happened in this room a lot. Now, we've, we've had, I've mentioned this before, divine breakdowns. That's when cars are broken down at just the right time, at just the right place. Because we know this is that these things do, do occur. When I think about the era of life, when I was laying my hands on the car, were there less breakdowns? I don't remember. You know, I'd like to say yes. But I do know this is that the act of me laying my hand on my cars and saying, Lord, these are yours. Protect them. Extend them. Change my heart. And it changed my resource. And it made me realize that these vehicles were his vehicles. 
meant to bless my family and meant for us to do the ministry we were called to do as a family. When you walk in your house sometime, you know, lay your hands on, on the house. And thank you, Lord, on the brick, on the vinyl. This is a little something I didn't tell the 9 a.m. service. Uh, you know, I fly maybe seven, eight times a year for various reasons. And as I get on the plane, I put my hand on the plane. No one knows. I said, Lord, anoint this plane. This is your plane. I'm not even nervous. Because flying doesn't make me nervous. But I just said, Lord, this is your plane. Anoint this plane. I just give it a little tap. And, and just say, this is yours, Lord. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. I want you to reset your mindset. Every single thing you have is the Lord's. You may have the deed of ownership, but it is the Lord's and it belongs to him. Here's, here's the number, number two, the second observation. Pray over your resources. I want you to begin to see um, your job, your employment, your education opportunity, the school you attend. I want you to begin to see uh, the resources you have, whether you have a bicycle, uh, whether you have properties, whether you just have a talent, ability to sing, ability to talk to people, ability to write, the ability to form thoughts, the ability to landscape. Some of you just know how to landscape and you're so good at it. Whatever it is, and give it to the Lord. Pray over that resource. Pray over that talent. Pray over that asset. Pray over that resource. Give it to the Lord. Begin to dedicate it to him over and over again. Here's a good proverb. Proverb 28, 25 says it this way. A greedy person stirs up conflict. There's a lot we could talk about there, but this is what I want you to see. But whoever, here's a contrast, trust in the Lord will prosper. Whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. That's Proverbs 28, 25. Now, claim that scripture for your life. And some of you might say, well, I don't really believe God cares about money. Well, then I guess you can ignore that scripture. I want to claim that scripture. I want to claim that scripture over my life, my family, the church. Trust in the Lord and you will prosper. Trust in the Lord and you will prosper. And this is a sign, a secondary sign, not a primary sign, but it's a secondary sign of his covenant with you. Here's number three. Now I have five points today, so don't intellectually relax yet. I want to get all five in today. Commit to good financial decisions. You're like, well, no kidding. But no, this is, this, this, this more to the, this point than just, yeah, commit to financial, good financial decisions. Commit to good financial decisions. This is what I want to propose to you right now. That from this day forward, I want you just to reset your mindset and see yourself as someone who is wise. See yourself as someone who makes good financial decisions. Don't focus on the missteps. Don't focus on the mistakes. Focus on the future. Begin to see into the future and find some appointed time in the future. It may be nine weeks from now, or it may be nine years from now. I figured you guys, if I'm lucky, you guys may keep me around in another 20 years. All right, you may get rid of me before that, but maybe, maybe I have 20 more years with this church. And I can have 20 years of good decision-making ahead of me. You have nine weeks of good decision-making ahead of you. Don't focus on a misstep. Don't focus on a regret. Just say, I'm resetting right now, and I'm going to make good decisions from this point forward as much as I can. None of us are perfect right? None of us, none of us are perfect in this. And here's the deal. Most financial mistakes, they're not like an expression of sin or evil. Sometimes they are, 
But most of the time, you're just wanting to bless your kids or bless your grandkids or you're just wanting to have an experience as a young adult or young professional and, and you misjudge how much it would cost. Kind of like that bill that I had on that business expense and you didn't put the right boundaries. You didn't put the right parameters and man, you wish you hadn't done it. Well, that's okay. That's not like this act of evil. Just now you have a chance to reset, to see yourself as a person who is wise and keep making better decisions than bad decisions. Make good, more good decisions than bad decisions and then surplus is on the way. Proverbs chapter 24 uh, are the 20 uh, verses one through four. These are some wise statements. Don't envy the evil. I desire to be with them. Can I just talk about this for a second? That's why limit how much social media impacts you. I mentioned this in one of our services, but back in uh, um, October, I got to go to Boston with my wife and my daughter celebrating her college graduation. And we put a few pictures on on Instagram and people liked them. Oh, this is great. Some people contacted me personally, try this restaurant, go to this place. It just looked like we were having the time of our life in Boston. And we had a great trip, but I got COVID while I was up there and I spent two days in the hotel and I don't even remember those two days. So guys, social media is a liar, right? I mean, people only tell you what they want you to see or what they, what, what they want you to know. So don't envy people when you don't know the whole story right? If you're getting envious, then avoid whatever is creating that envy. Don't envy the evil or desire to be with them. Verse two, for their hearts plan violence, their words stir up trouble. Now look at this. A house is built by wisdom and it's established by understanding. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with every precious and beautiful treasure. Guys, God's going to help you reset your perspective on finances. You're going to get smarter. You're going to get wiser. You're going to make better decisions. And the accumulation of that is the building of a house. You build a house, choice after choice, day after day, year after year, decision after decision. And you will not be perfect financially going into the future. But reset your mindset. And starting today, you're going to be better than you've ever been before. You're going to make better decisions, more good decisions than bad decisions. One of the worst feelings in the world is when you have a bank overdraft. I don't know if that's, well, don't raise your hand, but uh, it's happened to me. Because you could, you're close to having nothing in your checking account and you go get, you know, you go to the Shell station and get a, a $2 Coke or something, which is overpriced. And then it causes a $30 late fee or whatever, or or surcharge. About 20 years ago, banks started offering free banking. When when I first started as an adult, you had to pay a bank seven, 10 bucks a month. Now it's free banking, but they take advantage of people staying close to the margins and they make money off overdraft charges. Okay, so that happened to me before. And I just thought, again, kind of, I thought, I don't like this feeling And with God's help and with wisdom, overdraft is over. We're we're done with overdraft. That's not going to happen again. I don't like this feeling. So so this this is how you reset. You're saying, this emotion, I don't want to feel again. Here's number four. Grow accustomed to financial surplus. 
I want you to reset how you see your finances. Not to see yourself as a person, it's perpetual surplus. This is, this is your future. Young adults, young professionals, I'm gonna talk to you guys. I know that starting your career out, career out in your 20s and 30s is really tough. Really tough to imagine yourself with surplus, but just try to get to the next paycheck with one more dollar than you had before. And maybe that one dollar will turn to 10, that 10 to 100, and so on. I want to speak to those of you who are middle age or you're retired. Guys, listen, this is, these types of messages can make you just feel so much regret, and that's just a waste of time. Grab the wisdom from your past mistakes and start making good choices today. You'll be glad a year from now. You'll be glad five years from now that you started choosing better decisions and seeing yourself as a person in surplus. Now, let's go to first, Second Corinthians chapter 9. And for those of you who have been in church in a long time, this is another uh, passage pastors love to go to uh, when, we're, when we're encouraging people to give. But I want you to see a different angle to this. Okay, he's talking about giving to the kingdom of God. That is the context of the scripture. And he says this in, in 2 Corinthians, and Paul is the person I'm talking about, verse 6. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. So this is a classic church scripture because it's talking about giving to the church. It's talking about money. But th- this is verse 7. I want you to see a couple of things here. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Let's just hang out here at this verse for a second. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. God loves someone who loves to give. But that's not always just a matter of your attitude, though that does apply. It's also a matter of your surplus. Okay. So if... uh, if I owe Deborah $20, which I probably do, she's given me a dollar here and there for, we've worked together all these years. Can I borrow a dollar for the soda machine? She helps me out. But let's say I owe Deborah $20, but then I want to give Jacob $10. I'm really giving Deborah's $10 to Jacob. So I'm not in surplus. So it's not really as cheerful as it could be because yeah, I get the feeling Jacob, here's the 10 bucks but I still owe her 20 bucks. This is what happens when we're, when we're not giving out of surplus. And I'm just giving you, that's not to make anyone feel bad. That's to give you a vision for your future, a vision for your financial future. This is, so this is, this is what happens, is that we, we give cheerfully when we're in surplus. And that's why I want the Lord to help reset how you see your resources, how you see your job, how you see your talent how you see your abilities. Now, let's go to the next verse, verse eight. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, look at this phrase, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. This is the surplus that we all, that God's calling us to move towards. He's calling me and my family to move towards this direction. We're moving into the direction of surplus. Part of it is seeing yourself today, not as a person in need. You may have a need here and there, and the Lord will provide, but see yourself as a person who is moving into surplus. And then you're a cheerful giver because anytime anyone needs something, yeah, I can give it to you. Mauricio, your kids need help going to daycare? I can help you out this month. 
That is a hypothetical offer, not a real offer. <laughs> but hypothetically, that would be great to, to, to offer that to you. So we, we, we're like, I can do that. I can meet that need because I'm in surplus. And so here we are. Guys, reset today means we're moving that direction. We're, we're, we're having hope again that that's the direction that God is taking us. So when my kids were younger, I used to love taking them to something uh, called a movie theater. Do you remember those? We used to go to those in the tens. Um, so we would go to the movie theater, and it was fun to say, hey, kids, let's go. Let's go to the movies tonight. Let's go. I mean, why watch something on our own TV that we're paying for? Anyway? We're paying for cable anyway. Why, why do that? Let's go to the movies, and that's just 60 bucks to get in the door, right? 60 bucks to get in the door. So now I'm, I'm in the door, and as a child, you know, I, my parents are really good with money, and because of that, we went to the movies, but we didn't get popcorns and Cokes. We get that after the movie. So the little child in me is saying, I want to give popcorns and Cokes to my kids. So we get $60 past the ticket counter, and then, Dad, can I have a popcorn and, cork, uh, popcorn and Coke? And I'm like, sure, man. Warren Buffett doesn't have anything on me, man. Get your popcorn, <laughs> Coke, get candy, let's go. And now 60 bucks is 100 bucks. Well, here's the deal. That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to, to spend $100 on my family, and I hope I get to do it many times in the future. I hope I get to do it for grandkids. All that. That's a good feeling. But it's also a good feeling when I have money with my next sale or my next paycheck. It's not a good feeling when I'm in, when, 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 I'm, when I have overdraft charges or, or I'm having to move things around. And so think about this for a second. Which feeling is better? I promise you the feeling of being responsible is better. So think about that. And just maybe once a month, try not to do something you want to do. Because you think by the end of this month, it's going to feel better to have more money than it is to spend um, impulsively at this moment. I want to spend thoughtfully. I want to spend carefully. And that does include movies and vacations and all that kind of stuff. And that, 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 is, that is before you. But once a month, make a decision like that, and that decision will be good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's a good scripture to claim. Remember, God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches. Here's the fifth thing I want to give today is practice generosity. Let's put that up on the screen if we can. Number five, practice generosity. That which we practice at, we improve at, right? That's why we practice. We practice generosity. So wherever you are financially today, you can practice generosity. It may be tipping someone a dollar more than you typically do. It may be buying just a little bit of the extra groceries and taking some extra food to a neighbor. It could be participating in generosity in a new way. But when you start practicing generosity, guess what? You get better at generosity. When you practice it, 
you're going to get better and you'll get wiser and you'll know when to be generous and maybe when to wait to be generous. You'll begin to hear the spirit of the Lord. You'll begin to hear the voice of the Lord. You'll begin to walk more in wisdom. So guys, this is a reset. I'm calling us to reset our resources. And this, I hope, is an uplifting, exciting, energizing message. I don't want anyone leaving here thinking, oh man, I don't know how to run my money. I don't know how to run my finances. I want you to leave lifted saying that I'm resetting things. I'm going to make better decisions this month. I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to keep giving things to God. I'm going to keep offering every asset, talent, ability to the Lord. And look what will happen. I'm so excited for you that a year from now, you're going to have less debt. A year from now, you're going to you're going to have made more friends by spontaneous generosity. A year from now, you're going to have more resources to be creative with your family or be creative with your neighbors, or maybe you're going to have more resources to prepare you for marriage. Some of you that God is positioning some of you singles for marriage and nine months from now, well, that's not a good, good timeline. Let's say four months from now, (laughs) five months from now, Oh, wow. I get all flustered there. They lost it. Five months from now, you're going to be in better position because you've reset your resources and you've given them to the Lord. You'll be in better position. I love this gospel, this gospel teaching from Jesus. Luke chapter six, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. I imagine when I read the scripture, one of those Coke cans that you, you know, you shake and then you pop and it just goes everywhere. It will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for generous hearts, generous lives, generous lives. Lord, I know this church. I know the people here are generous. So Lord, Add to that generosity wisdom. Add to that generosity, God, a new mindset where we see, God, that the covenant you've made to us through Jesus Christ is not disconnected to our finances. That every time we get a bonus, every time we get a raise, every time the bill's not as much as we thought it was, every time we walk in wisdom, every time we make a better choice than we made yesterday, every time when we have appreciation, something is more valuable than it was the year before. It's not just our abilities. It's not our talents. It's not our wisdom. It's a sign of your covenant on us. It's a sign of your provision. We thank you, Lord, that the same God who provided us salvation and redemption and adoption and freedom, the same God who created this cosmos and universe that's so complex that we're discovering more of it all the time. Creator God, you're the same God who cares about our resources. You care about our homes. You care about our vehicles. You care about our recreation. You care about the people in our lives. Lord, you care about future experiences you have for us. Lord, I thank you, God, for stirring up your people to have faith, to connect you to Uh, their resources, Lord. We will not separate you, God, from our finances. We will not separate you from our homes, oh Lord. We will not separate you, Lord, from our careers. We will not separate you from the talents and the education 
and the networks and the connections and the uh, abilities. Lord, we will not separate you, O God, for Lord, you are revealing your covenant as you have done to Abraham's descendants for all of these centuries. So God, those of us who have been grafted in, we are in covenant through Jesus Christ and we receive all that you have for us. We love you. We thank you for that.